0: Today is our second uh, Sunday in our series called Stories We Wish he Told. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, it's uh, a series that's looking at stories that Jesus actually told. They're called parables. Uh, The word parable simply means an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so we're looking at real stories that Jesus told, and we're seeing how we wish He told them, but then seeing how He actually told them. And today we look at a story that... uh, We just wish Jesus didn't tell it all. And that's because it involves the topic of hell. In America, hell is, I would say, the most offensive topic in the Bible. Uh, Surprisingly, it's not the most offensive throughout the world. If you go to other countries and other cultures, uh, do you know what offends them? It's the message of a God of free love and forgiveness. See, they can wrap their minds around a God who demands justice, a a God who's going to punish. But they can't wrap their minds around a God who has love and forgiveness. We get that part. We like that story. We like that God loves us and forgives us and, and, and it's all free. We do not like the topic of hell. Why? Well... I've been thinking a lot about this this week as I've been preparing for this sermon and I think it has to come down with what America is built on. What's America built on? Rights and freedoms, right? Every single person has rights because they are a person and rightly so. That's what what makes America so wonderful is that we all have rights and freedoms. But what we have done is taken these rights and freedoms in the physical world and have transferred them to the spiritual world. And so what we have said and what Americans believe is that everyone has a right to heaven. And unless if they forfeit that right, like being Hitler or Stalin or someone like that, unless if they forfeit that right, they are going to heaven. So, as long as you are a good, upstanding citizen who keeps the the laws of America, you're good to go. But if you forfeit those rights, heaven is closed to you. And so what we do is think of Jesus as not talking about hell at all. Because after all, what kind of people do we know? Usually the ones that we know are good upstanding citizens who keep the law and who who aren't really bad people. And so we imagine a Jesus that doesn't talk about hell at all. Uh, We want my Jesus to say, as the first blank up there says, where you end up ain't that big of a deal. But the truth is, hell was always on Jesus' mind. In fact, it's why He came to this earth, right? He came to save us from sin, He came to save us from death, and He came to save us from hell. If it doesn't matter where you end up, If it ain't that big of a deal, then what Jesus did was completely pointless. Then it was dumb, it was foolish for Him to come to this earth if it doesn't matter. And so this morning, we look at a story that Jesus tells about heaven and hell, and we see that uh, it is a big deal. And so let's jump right in. Uh, We are in Luke chapter 16, and He tells this story. whoa, what happened here? Bear with me. Whole service started over. And there we go. All right. Jesus says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. So Jesus tells us this story. There's two main characters, uh, a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. Lazarus dies, believing in the promises of God, and the angels carry him to heaven uh, by Abraham's side. The rich man also died. And how would the rich man be explained? How would they remember him? They probably remembered him as a really good guy. He was probably a good, upstanding citizen, uh, one of the wealthy in, in the town. Uh, maybe the town was even built on, uh, he, maybe he was one of the founding members, or family, family, founding families of the town. I'm sure that when he died... All of his friends and family got together and said how good of a man he was. The only blemish he had was that he he didn't take care of this beggar um, outside of his gate. But no one can be perfect, right? Overall, he was a really good guy. And yet he dies, and he finds himself in hell. Why? It's because he didn't believe the promises of God. It's because... He was more concerned about his wealth and his own happiness here on earth. He didn't think that a relationship with God was necessary. He didn't think it was worth his time. And so he pushed God aside. And when he dies, he finds himself in hell. But here's the question Is that really fair? Is it fair that he ends up in hell just because he doesn't have a relationship with God? Uh, he was a nice man overall. Why is God sending him to hell? Just because, God, just because this man doesn't do what God wants, he's going to be in hell? That's where our misconception lies, right? You see, God doesn't send people to hell. He lets them go. And I know that doesn't really seem to make sense, But here's the truth. People end up in hell, not because of their actions, not because of what they do or don't do. They end up in hell because it's their choice. It's their choice. And I know that doesn't make sense because who in the world would choose hell, right? Everyone wants to go to heaven. Why would they choose hell? People, here's the answer, People end up in hell uh, are the people in this life who don't want anything to do with God. They push Him away. They don't want a relationship with Him. They want their freedom from God. Why? Because God's commands are burdensome. God's commands are ruining all their fun. They don't want to have a relationship with God at all. They want to be free from Him. They want to eat, drink, and be merry. worry only about their happiness on earth, and that's it. The problem that they face in this life is that God won't give them their freedom. Right? The Bible says that God causes the sun to rise on both the righteous and the wicked. Uh, He brings the rain on both the righteous and the wicked. He continues to reach out. He continues to provide for their daily needs. And He continues to reach out with the Gospel, trying to have a relationship with Him. But the Bible says that he's not going to contend forever. And so when they die, God says, you want your freedom? Go. It's yours. And what does being free from God mean? It's hell. It's hell. So yes, this is their choice. They don't want a relationship with God, so God says go. And they end up in hell in pain and agony. That's what we see from the rich man here, right? He says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. And here is how we wish Jesus would continue the story. So Abraham had pity on the rich man and since heaven and hell are only divided by a busy street, Abraham waited for the lights to change, changed, walked over and gave the rich man a bottle of water. You know, Abraham said, we don't live that far away from each other. We should visit more often. That's how we wish the story was told, right? Why? because a lot of times we picture people going to hell like this. God being the giant, the giant man, who who picks up a person by the back of their pants and gets ready to throw them into the pit. Meanwhile, the person's flailing their arms and legs saying, no, please, please, please. I changed my mind. Let me go back. I, I would redo it if I can. And God says, too bad. Into the pit you go. That's how we picture it, isn't it? But the truth is, the people who get their freedom from God, who go to hell, they don't want to change. They just want their circumstances to be a little relieved. You notice that the rich man never changed his mind. He didn't ask Abraham, Hey, Abraham, can you put a good word in with God uh, so that uh, I can get out of here? This place is horrible. Let me out. He doesn't say he's sorry. He doesn't beg for mercy other than, Let me have a drop of water. You see, people in hell, they don't change their mind. They stay selfish and self-absorbed. And we see that because he still thinks that Lazarus, the beggar, is his water boy. Quick. Abraham, send the beggar down to me with a drip of water on his finger so that I can be cooled down. But people in hell don't change their mind. They stay self-absorbed and selfish. Tim Keller is a Presbyterian pastor, uh, and this is what he says about people in hell. They, meaning people in hell, continue to blame God and other people. They continue in their isolation, denial, delusion, and self-absorption forever. Forever. They don't change. They keep this mindset forever. They blame God for their situation. They blame others. And they continue in their ways. Even so, even after all of this, there's a part of us that wants to think, where you end up ain't that big of a deal, right? Because if we're honest with ourselves, there's a little bit of the rich man in each and every one of us. There's a little bit of the rich man who wants our freedom from God. It's the part of us that wants to be the upstanding citizen here in America and keep all the laws so we stay out of jail and don't get in big trouble, but still be able to live however we want. It's the part of us that wants to be able to sleep with whomever we want. It's the part of us that wants to be able to uh, drink as much as we want, as long as we don't drive. It's the part of us that wants to be able to say whatever we want, because we have freedom of speech, so it doesn't matter who we tear down. It's the part of us that wants to act however we want. That's the part of us that wants our freedom from God. And so we want to believe that heaven and hell aren't that far apart, that it's just separated by a street. But here is the truth, and this is your second point. You cannot count the miles between heaven and hell. Here's how Jesus actually continued his story. The, the rich man asked for Abraham to send Lazarus, and here's uh, how Jesus continued. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Abraham says, Rich man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but this was your choice. You're getting what you wanted. Uh, And besides, there is a great chasm between us and you. Uh, I can't send Lazarus over because he can't get to you and you can't get over to here. You can't count the miles between heaven and hell. You can go anywhere in the world. Uh, Think of like the armpit of the world, the place where you just think, oh my goodness, uh, there's nothing good that lives there. Jesus is still there because he promises us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Uh, He promises that he's with us To the very end of the age. There's not a place in the world you can't go where Jesus isn't. There's not a place in the world you can go where Jesus isn't. That's what I meant to say. But hell, hell is a place where Jesus isn't. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His Might. Isn't that scary? Shut out from the presence of the Lord. You don't have to raise your hand for this, but how many of you say uh, quick, short prayers to God throughout the day? We read read in the Old Testament and in the Bible that people prayed for hours. And uh, not me. (laughs) Uh, I say like a 10-second prayer here and there throughout the day uh, while driving, um, while sitting at the computer desk. Just quick, short prayers, right? And we all have the comfort of knowing that God hears our prayers because that's what his promise is. He promises to hear us. But in hell, nobody hears you. You are shut out from the presence of the Lord. And so it's like in hell, you pick up the phone to call heaven, and there's not even a dial tone. It's just dead. It's dead. You can't count the miles between heaven and hell. You can't just skip across the street. We know this. Hell is scary. Hell is very real. Hell is filled with pain and suffering. And so the question is, how do we avoid it? How do we avoid going there? The rich man actually has an idea in Jesus' story. So let's take a look at what his idea is. The rich man answered, Then I beg you, Father... Send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place. You see, just, he just doesn't learn. I guess there's no learning in hell. Because he still now goes from Lazarus being his water boy to his errand boy. Uh, he doesn't ask to go back and warn them. Send, send the beggar. Go warn my brothers not to come to this place. He thinks that what will change his brother's mind is if someone comes back from the dead to talk to them. And that's an intriguing thought for us too, isn't it? Uh, Wouldn't it be nice if we had a little extra oomph to get people to believe or a little extra oomph to strengthen our faith? And so we wish my Jesus said, uh, the Bible ain't enough. We've used it. It's not enough. I have doubts. I read the Bible. It's not enough. So here's how we wish Jesus would have continued the story. Abraham replied, I think thy rich man does have a point. If his relatives just had one more evidence and proof, like, oh, I don't know, a few more miracles or religious experiences, then they would believe. And so Abraham sent spirits from heaven and hell back to earth to talk about their experience, experiences. And he went and visited Jesus to uh, discuss whether Jesus could make a few more guest appearances on earth. How many of us have friends and family uh, who don't believe in Jesus? How many of us, at times in our life, have doubts and wonder if this is really true? Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus just made a few more guest appearances on The Tonight Show, on Ellen, on all these talk show hosts and did a couple interviews? Then we would believe. Or what if he sent Grandma back from heaven to talk about her experiences there? Wouldn't that be great? That would really strengthen our faith and let us know that this is real, right? The problem is Jesus did that. Shortly after he told this story, uh, one of his good friends, Lazarus, ironically his name was Lazarus too, uh, passed away. And he was in the grave for four years. Days, So he was dead at least four days, maybe a few days before that, maybe up to a week before they finally buried him. But for four days in the grave, and Jesus shows up and he raises him back to life. He raises Lazarus from the dead. And wouldn't you think if you saw that you would say, man, this guy must be the Lord. This guy must be God. How could he bring someone back from the dead? Praise be to Jesus. But do you know how the re- religious leaders responded? We've got to kill this guy. Not only do we have to kill Jesus, we have to kill the guy He raised from the dead so no one knows about this. You can read about that in John chapter 11. You see, we want to believe that signs and wonders and miracles and, and people coming back from the dead and guest appearances, we want to believe that's what will work to strengthen our faith and get others to believe. But the fact is, there is only one thing that creates and strengthens faith, and that's God's Word. And so that's your take-home point today. That's your last point, is only God's Word can bring the dead back to life. So let's close it up here by looking at how Jesus actually finished his story. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have God's Word. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Abraham says, Listen, they have God's word. If they don't listen to that, they're not going to listen, even if someone comes back from the dead. Now, we're like the rich man. We wish that that would happen and that that would work. But it's only God's Word that brings people from death to life. However, if it's a miracle that you want, if you think a miracle is going to be what strengthens your faith or creates faith, then take a look at your life. Take a look at your children's lives. Take a look at your spouse's life. Everyone sitting here are walking miracles. You see, we are all born into this world like the rich man, right? We are all born selfish, self-absorbed, blaming God, blaming others, wanting our freedom from God. We are, quite literally, the walking dead. And we are on the highway to hell without being able to change our our situation, nor do we want to change our situation, because the pathway, the highway that we're on, leads to freedom. But then God's Word touches our hearts and completely changes us around. And that's what God's Word has done for you. Because now... God's word has touched your heart, and you've done a 180, and you realize that God isn't a God about rules and commands to ruin your life, to ruin your fun. God's word has touched your heart, and you realize that He has unbelievable love for you. You see, it's in God's word that we hear that He has so much love for you that He experienced hell, so you didn't have to. On Good Friday, there was a time on the cross when Jesus was hanging there. He was hanging for about six hours, and and he spoke seven times from the cross. And one of those times, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there was a dead end no response, no dial tone. God was gone. He shut Jesus out from the presence of the Lord. And there on the cross, Jesus felt all the pains, all of the agony, all of the sufferings of hell. Why? Because the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, each and every one of them, were on His shoulders. He took responsibility for the sins of the world and God said, I'm letting you go. I'm letting you go. And so He experienced everything so that you wouldn't have to. He experienced the agonies and sufferings of hell so that you would only experience the good things of heaven like Lazarus, the happiness, the peace, uh, no pain, no hunger, no thirst, no crying, no tears, but only joy, happiness, and love. Talk about unbelievable love. Talk about life-changing love. That's what has touched your heart. And it has changed your life. As I said, hell was always on Jesus' mind. He was, it's always on His mind. That's why He came to earth. He came uh, to save us from sin, death, and hell. And He didn't just do it for you and me but He did it for everybody. The Bible says that God wants every, all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why He came. You have this message. You have God's Word that changes hearts. You have God's Word that saves you from hell. Be in it. Be in it and foster that relationship with Jesus. Because if you don't, what happens is we end up wanting our freedom from Him. So foster that relationship. And then tell others about this message. Tell others that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. May God bless us to this end. Amen. Please stand as we pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You for saving us from hell. We thank You for this story uh, so that we know just what You experienced and just what You saved us from. Help us to always remain in Your Word uh, that our faith may be strengthened in You. Amen.